0: Thanks for listening to Shift Your Spirits. I'm Slade Robertson. I'm a professional intuitive, but I try to talk about spirituality with fewer hearts and flowers than most new age blather. I also mentor emerging intuitives, psychics, and healers in a program called Automatic Intuition. It is Saturday, February 1st, 2020, as I record this introduction. This week, I'm sharing an energy shielding visualization technique. This is an alternative visualization to the white light shielding you may be familiar with. If you're an empath and you also work with other people's energies, you require a specific kind of filter and this one is designed for you. I didn't originally include this in the Automatic Intuition program materials, but it's one of the first things I share with those clients and it's one of the all-time most accessed pages on any of my websites. And it really needs to be in the audio archives here as well. So that's coming up in just a few. As always, there's an Oracle segment at the end of the show. So be thinking about a question or a concern you have. Hold it in your mind and I'll come back on after the final links and credits and leave you with that extra message. Now when you go to sladerobersoncom readings, in addition to booking a reading with me, you can also connect with other intuitives, psychics, mediums, energy healers, and astrologers from the Automatic Intuition community. This week I'd like to introduce you to Tracy Natarajan. Since a near-death experience in 2014, Tracy has felt driven to own her place in the LGBTQ plus community and also own her identity as an intuitive and healer. She offers intuitive readings in a variety of modalities, distance primordial song, and Reiki healings. I first met Tracy in person at a Fiction Writers Conference where we were both inhabiting our alternate identities. And it is nice to have an ally and friend who exists in both my worlds. If you'd like to find out more about Tracy Natarajan and the services she offers, check out her site at BlinkingLotus.com. You can find her direct link as well as those of the other feature practitioners at sladerobersoncom slash readings. In personal news, January was a hell of a year, but we made it. I'm not going to list my complaints because everyone I've talked to recently has had an even much harder life so far this decade. Um just some of the more positive uh, things that I've achieved. Here's my social media highlight reel, making everything sound rosy. Um, I am one full month into my three by three, my three months of writing three books. Um, and that ended up expanding into four projects, uh, all that are collectively due by the end of April at the latest. So, I'm currently writing one long book that's the first in a trilogy, and I'm also writing a short, it's kind of somewhere between a short story and a novella, a really long short story slash really short novella. I had the opportunity to participate in an upcoming group promo that was going to be really close to um, the launch of my uh, new series. And so by adding um, a small promotional giveaway story to that world, um, which is something that I always do anyway, um, I was able to get in on something really cool. But in order to do that, I had to now write an extra thing. Um, it's actually not as horrible as it sounds because during the writing of this one first big long book, um, when I would have particular days where I really needed to just to set it aside and let it simmer, um, I would work on the short. And it gave me a kind of an outlet Um, I think I've talked about this concept before as gardening. It's like, okay, I just go over here and, you know, prune some things for a while and then come back to this bush when it's ready to bloom and give me something. Um, But I've been so far pretty close to my writing goal. I did write 50,000 words in 20 days. And that definitely blows any of my NaNoWriMo's out of the water. So November, National Novel Writing Month, if you've heard of that, it's 50,000 words in 30 days. I've done that several times. The last time I did it, it was horrible. And I said I'd never do it again because I just ended up spewing 50,000 words that weren't really constructively or thoughtfully written. But I will have to say, I'm giving myself some credit Um, for being able to thoughtfully and intentionally write 50,000 words in even a week less than a NaNoWriMo. And I attribute the big change in my uh, writing productivity not only to this idea of trying to make it my focus for a couple months but also writing sprints um, has really been a game changer for me it's something that you know I've heard of a million times every author friend I know talks about them um, and I don't know why I didn't do them I think I was doing something similar on my own but doing them with other people is a big game changer for me and That should be no surprise because the same thing happens to me in other areas like fitness, working out. If left to my own devices to do it on my own, I kind of wither and die like lonely and and full of angst trying to accomplish something by myself in a vacuum. Whereas if I do it with other people um i don't know it just it has a different power it's it's very psychologically effective in terms of being accountable to so, um other people um also looking forward to that social aspect so um i think this is something you can apply to just about any of your goals which is to you know find a buddy or a small group to do it with if you are looking to do something like start a fitness program go take a class seriously unless you know you like to run in silence or you know lost in your own mind with your music playing and that's your jam go for it by all means but if you feel a little bit like you're the dork in the corner trying to go through the motions and you don't really know what the hell you're doing um... or if you feel like you're always procrastinating and cheating on whatever your goals are um, yeah add some kind of buddy situation to it it's it's really powerful for me so anyway I started doing writing sprints a few months ago with um an author friend and that has allowed me to go from writing something like you know a thousand words a day of fiction I'm not counting non-fiction because all this talking is a lot of words and some of it is written beforehand um but you know, I would do about a thousand words of fiction and and feel fairly okay with that. Um, I am now consistently putting up numbers every day that are closer to 3000. Um, so just so you know, if, if you want to try this, if you're a writer as well, um, this is also similar to the Pomodoro method if you've heard of that, so you might be able to borrow from that. But a straight up writing sprint the way that I'm currently do doing them with friends is uh, the sprint starts at the top of every hour and at the half hour mark the sprints last for 25 minutes and there's a five minute break in between um yeah and we just you know hook up on facebook messenger and and just post at the end of every sprint how many words we got um that little five minute break lets you check for any emergency texts and run to the bathroom and pee or you know get another coffee or whatever it is that you want to do and um the the thing that I also like about doing sprints is once you get going one or two sprints and you're a little ways into it and you're starting to flow, the sprints actually end in the middle of a flow, which is good. I know that sounds really terrible and maybe you would think you want to keep going, but there's a lot of research and evidence, um, you know, anecdotal evidence that. Um, stopping in writing when you know what you're writing next it makes it a lot easier to get to jump back in and get back on the page so it's actually a good thing now i've put that out there before and i've gotten pushback from people who feel like they can't stop in the middle of something like that they like to stop at the end of a chapter but i just feel like that gives me too much of a big blank page staring at me um kind of scenario. So I like it that the sprints will kind of interrupt and I'll spend that 5 minutes just thinking, okay, I'm ready to go back in. I know what the next sentence is. Um and uh by doing this, I have been able to like triple the amount of words that I write. So um Stevie by the way is on his own hamster wheel at the moment. I guess it's kind of good that it, it coincides with mine. Um he is making potions which is what I like to call um, the herbal medicine um, that he makes and sells in his shop. Um, right now, we are in hardcore flu season, so he is making um, jars and jars and jars by the hundreds of elderberry. Um, his elderberry syrup has a little trademark patented special immunity Um, blend of herbs that he adds to it Um, he also does a version for allergies and um, he just got some special requests for people who needed to do sugar-free versions that don't have any honey in them so he's experimenting with that so anyway he's making potions and um, we hang out um, we get together about three times a week and hang out in the evening and decompress and have dinner and Netflix and chill and all that wonderful stuff. So that's the winter version of my love life at the moment. Um, He really hates winter and we are looking forward to getting back to all of the hiking that we were doing when we first started going out back in the summer. Before I forget, I want to say a quick thank you to my newest supporter on Patreon, Jennifer Bramer. Thank you to all of you who continue to pledge your support. It demonstrates that you're enjoying the show and you want it to continue. Listeners who support the show on Patreon can access a guided meditation called Messages from Your Spirit Guides, exclusive bonus episodes, and there's also a mastery level of support where you can download one of my courses for free each month. If you like the weekly oracle message, I am also considering launching a bonus feed for patrons that is a daily oracle message right in your podcast app. So, Please let me know if you are interested in that. And to find out how you can become a patron, support my time in producing the show, and access extra bonus content, please go to patreon.com slash shiftyourspirits. I've yet to encounter anyone who has a high level of natural intuitive abilities, clairvoyance, clairaudience, claircognizance, who is not also primarily clairsentient, specifically empathic. You might identify with the term empath or HSP, highly sensitive person. Empathy, experiencing external emotional energies as your own moods and sensitivities and feelings is the foundation of being psychic or intuitive. For those of us who identify as light workers or lantern bearers, it comes with the territory of everyday life. And for those who take this identity into the professional realm, residual energy is an occupational hazard. I'm talking about obvious careers such as psychotherapists, counselors, coaches, social workers, medical professionals, massage therapists, but also energy healers, psychics, ministers, teachers, people who work in child care, human resource professionals, customer service workers, hairstylists, anyone who deals with numerous individual people and is called to assist or at least listen to other people who are processing a lot of negative conditions and circumstances. Holding space for others. Is hard work lending an ear being a shoulder to cry on or someone to lean on here are some of the environments and circumstances that require psychic protection listen to these and see if you identify with some or any of them or if you literally recognize your job or your family and friendships in these descriptions you need to be empathetic enough to effectively communicate be able to explain your point of view without having to be defensive or worried about being attacked, still show compassion and a willingness to listen, yet remain detached enough that you can be true to yourself, authentic, and stick to your guns. You find you're constantly being drawn into other people's dramas. You're a good listener and you care about other people, but sometimes it feels like you're a dumping ground for other people's stress and bad energy. Your friends and family love to talk to you about their problems. You're the one everyone comes to for advice. You probably feel like it's truly your life purpose to play the part of the counselor. On the one hand, you do feel that you're helping and being a service to others, but more often times than not, you end up feeling drained. You proudly identify yourself as a light worker or a way shower, a lantern bearer. You're very open, very intuitive, very sensitive. You want to continually grow and open yourself further, but there's a part of you that resists. Just as you start to pick up on someone's vibes, there's a part of you that wants to rise up, slam the door to protect yourself. And you're left feeling like, how can I do both? You're what people call an empath. You're a psychic sponge. You absorb everyone else's energy and you don't know how to turn it off. You wonder if there's a way you can turn it down a little bit or protect yourself without entirely turning it off. You worry a lot. You worry about everyone. You worry for them. It's like you have a sign on your forehead that says, leave your problems with me. You know it may sound crazy to someone who doesn't experience it, but it can literally make you feel ill. Your stomach is either in knots or your neck muscles are stiff all the time. You do legitimately worry that you're going to manifest cancer or a heart attack or a stroke from carrying all this stress. You try to be positive, but it feels like the whole world wants to tear down your attitude. Or maybe you recognize this situation. Your relationship is over. It has run its course. You both know it. You both agree. And you both want to move on. But there's still a lot that has to be negotiated in order for you to go your separate ways. Every time you even text or talk on the phone, it's like the wound gets torn open all over again, and you both end up in tears. How can you move forward and heal without backsliding into that painful place that feels like square one? Maybe you just basically feel like you're under psychic attack. You're afraid that if you open up your intuition too much, you're only making yourself more vulnerable. I get it. I hear some version of these with every automatic intuition client and a large percentage of my reading clients. And I have experienced some little bit of all of those things, I think. I've always shared this idea of a soft shielding technique with people in paraprofessional or healing arts fields where heart-centered connection is a requirement. This is something you can do in addition to exercises that are considered energetic hygiene, like clearing and cord cutting. This is a more preventative exercise. I first published it on my blog way back in 2009, the same year I was developing content for the Automatic Intuition program, and I didn't include it in the material for some reason, but it quickly became the number one piece of supplemental content I share with almost everyone who comes through that program. It's freely available. I link to the original blog post a lot, and now I'm putting it out here in audio form as well. I'm sure you're familiar with the concept of purple light and white light shielding. If you Google psychic protection, this is mostly what you will find. Purple light being the highest angelic vibe you can invoke for psychic spiritual protection, nurturing and support, and white light being the universal holy shield. I personally think white light is too hardcore for some of us. The thing to keep in mind about white light is that it is entirely impermeable and it doesn't allow for heart chakra to heart chakra reflection or connection or interaction. It's spiritual bleach. Sometimes you want that. But white light protection in everyday relationships is a bit overkill. And in professional interactions, it can hinder the intention of the work itself. I think the metaphor I like best is the concept of sunglasses versus a blindfold. Yes, they will both protect your eyes if you go out in bright sunlight. But you don't want to block out everything. You just need to block the frequencies that cause you discomfort or harm. But you still want to be able to see what you're doing and where you're going. You don't always want a shield. Sometimes, often, you need a filter. So, as an alternative to using white light shielding, I recommend you use pink, the ethereal or a color representation of your higher self. Picture the color of rose quartz, which, by the way, can also be assigned, associated, activated, and amplified by the crystals themselves. If you like working with crystals, you might employ actual rose crystal in jewelry or in grid meditations or in your room decor when talking to anyone with whom you may require this softer tender-hearted protection picture yourself sheathed in a column of pearly bubblegum pink light from just above your head extending all the way through the floor beyond your feet imagine it being poured on top of your head starting at your crown chakra I personally picture this substance as having the appearance and viscosity of liquid soap or shampoo. You might also envision that you're Glinda the Good Witch in her big pink bubble. That's about the right size and relationship to your energy body or aura. It's just plain old joyful to call forth your inner Glinda once in a while. Even the biggest badass among us has an inner Glinda. The pink light acts as both a mirror and a filter. When the subject you're communicating with projects onto you, the most positive, authentic, heart-centered energy is reflected back to them. The pink also allows for your loving energy, compassion, concern, goodwill to pass through, but the white light, which is still present within the pink in a smaller amount, still blocks negative energy. So, it's a semi-permeable shield, which expands the highest self-loving energy that either of you can project, and it's a kind of filter, magnifying what you most hope to receive or project, while still blocking psychic attack completely and absolutely. If you have rose quartz crystals physically present, they can act as a switch or a consciousness trigger for turning on this shield. I recommend that therapists and mediators actually have some piece of rose quartz in the line of sight for both parties. On the table or desk in between you is ideal. I actually learned this from a psychotherapist, and I'm always surprised by how many people in that general field instinctively acquire and use rose quartz or have it in their presence without knowing specifically about this use. I went to a medical case manager one time who had um, this sort of rose quartz colored geode as a paperweight on her desk and it was just sort of staring at me the whole time and I did a little bit of poking and prodding to see if it was there intentionally and it wasn't it was just a cool thing she felt drawn to have there which i thought was really interesting you can also wear rose quartz as jewelry or carry a piece of it in your pocket just seeing this color acts as a subconscious activation switch for other people that you encounter even for those who don't intellectually know the symbolic spiritual significance of what they're looking at remember that the woo-woo stuff the visualizations, the meditations, the rituals, the spells, it's all really just a representation and a reminder of your commitment to a particular conscious intention. Just going into a conversation aware of what you want to block, what you want to project and receive, impacts your word choice and body language and allows you to set that energy. When you set a strong energy, energetic intention like this, when you are willfully driving the vibration, other people must either conform to that vibe or deal with the discomfort of being in disharmony with it. They have no choice but to either match that energy or they have to get away from it. This is why people hang up the phone or flee the room. In any case, the integrity of the kind of conversation you want to have is ultimately maintained, no matter what. Remember, if in doubt, you simply want to express how you feel. That's the most honest thing you can do. Your feelings are non-negotiable. No matter how controlling another person might want to be or think they can be, when presented with someone's feelings, there's nothing they can do but accept them. They may not agree, they don't have to like it, but they don't own or control your feelings. If you own them and willfully present them, so it shall be. And yes, Sometimes it's a when-they-go-low-we-go-high scenario. But anyone not down with the good vibes you're putting out, who refuses, who chooses over and over again to be difficult, may be someone who is simply not worthy of your time and energy. That may be the hardest thing for you to confront, depending on the relationship. I'd say two chances is probably my line in the sand. After that, as much distance and lack of contact you can make happen is entirely warranted. Again, depending on the relationship. I'm thinking of clients. This may be harder for you to apply to, say, your child. But, as an admitted confrontational person, this is one of my favorite quotes and something that serves as a reminder to me on so many occasions. You can't have a war if both sides don't show up. We have legal channels and barriers if and when it's necessary, security, attorneys, mediators. But if you keep answering that cell phone when he calls and engaging in another verbal battle, be real with yourself. You are participating in the war. You're showing up for it. Don't forget the most basic intention, manifestation, or law of attraction principles. If you establish beforehand how you want the script to go, then you're creating it. Not reacting on the fly and finding yourself unequipped to provide the details of the best case scenario. If you prepare for the conversation going badly, if you prepare a dialogue of argument, the universe will be sure to help you perform that scene. But you may be pleasantly surprised, even blown away, by how positively others will respond and behave if and when you are prepared for them to. Thanks again for listening to the Shift Your Spirits podcast. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever app you prefer. For show notes, links, transcripts, and all the past episodes, please visit ShiftYourSpirits.com. You can also download a free ebook and a meditation to help you connect with your guides. If you'd like to get an intuitive reading with me or with one of our featured practitioners, please go to sladerobersoncom slash readings. And if you're interested in my professional intuitive training program, you can start the course for free by downloading the attunement at AutomaticIntuition.com. Before I go, I promise to leave you a message, and answer to a question or a concern you may have. So take a moment to think about that. Hold it in your mind or speak it out loud. I'll pause for just a few seconds right now. Be open-minded about new experiences, emotions, and how intuitive messages take form. They can be extreme or subtle, so when interpreting what they mean, trust your first instinct, your immediate thoughts. Don't overanalyze. Answers to your questions may appear in truly surprising or even whimsical ways. Pay attention to synchronicities and dreams right now, and I'll talk to you later.